0: you doing isn't this a lovely day i know it's raining outside for me which is actually pretty nice but then again i prefer that in the nighttime so i can fall asleep faster anyway it has been another somewhat slow news week but that's not too bad a little bit of this and a little bit of that from every section so we'll get right to it we're gonna go ahead and start off with comics now The comic we've all been waiting for, well, personally, I've been waiting for, is because this is Omega Red Issue 5. Now, some people are like, wait, why are you starting off with Issue 5? Why is this issue so important? Because this is the issue where we get to find out what the heck happened on Mars. Yep, this is the Judgment Day tie in where we get to see how much of a badass Uranos actually is and yeah he does not disappoint so let's go ahead and get straight to it now it starts off with Magneto Cable and some others including uh, Night- a Nightcrawler basically discussing plans with an alien race with their mutants There is a giant eye, which is a omega level mutant, which usually means it's very, very powerful, extremely powerful. One of the most powerful and he's a seer. So again, a seer would be someone who predicts the future, but not really a good one because apparently they couldn't predict what happened next. Now, one thing they were able to do is basically see that there's going to be an attack and they're most likely going to be the target. Now, the comic doesn't wander it goes straight to it with uranus arriving and one of the alien mutants actually portrays the group and beheads another kurt who is also nightcrawler attacks this person and teleports her away to fight her uh she is very strong because as soon as they reappear she basically breaks his arm anyway uranus arrives with his arsenal and starts destroying stuff including a space station and goes to town on everybody He goes ahead and tanks all the blasts, especially from the Omega-level mutants, like it's nothing. Legion comes in, who is considered to be the most powerful mutant in history, and fights him one-on-one outside. One thing I think they did beautifully was that it didn't show us the fight, but showed us the aftermath, with Uranus just coming back smoking like nothing had happened. Now, this is good because it basically shows us that we know nothing about this guy and how powerful he actually is, especially with Legion. Now, Legion is the son of Charles Xavier and is a very powerful mutant because he have, Oh, what's the... It's a uh, personality disorder, which each personality has their own set of powers. And when he's with it, he has control of most of them. Now... For them not to show us the fight again, it just shows how much more powerful this guy is. And once he comes back, oh my god, he just goes to town on everybody even more so. It's incredible. Now, Magneto and others begin to fight back, and Uranus is amused and says they're putting up much more of a fight. They trap him in some metal binding that is held by Magneto and some telepaths. Magneto talks about how he is everything Uranus that he has fought against, and Uranus just laughs and is amused. He breaks out with ease and punches a hole through Magneto and rips out his heart. Yeah, you can't get more hardcore than that. Cable brings out his strongest gun and fires on Uranus, which it does weaken him, but not by much. He then walks towards Cable, whose gun overheats and is killed by Uranus' gun. He then kills everybody else and the one detail I do like about this comic is that it shows the time on when he gets there to where he begins because it's showing how long he has left which is about 40 minutes considering the fact that he has an hour so there's 40 minutes left he's done all of this in 20 and by the time 40 minutes is up everything is just bones and destruction he is surrounded by skeletons And the comic ends with two survivors coming out and trying to figure out what their next move is. And they're thinking everybody is dead. Heck, I think everybody is dead. Until Magneto shows up, using his power to pump his blood without his heart by controlling his own iron. And saying they need to figure out what to do next because they're already losing this war. And I gotta say, this was an epic comic that took its time and showed us how outmatched the mutants were, especially if someone like Legion and Magneto working together did nothing to Uranus. And one thing that's kind of interesting is to see how the rest of the X-Men will fight this guy with the Avengers, no less, because the Avengers is most likely not going to want someone who's related to Thanos coming to Earth. One thing I did love is, like I said, the timer showing you how much damage this dude did, In such little time. I mean 20 minutes to wipe out all the main baddies. I mean you figured someone like Magneto would put up much more of a fight. But dang. I gotta say it's been a while since I've been excited for a Marvel event. A comic Marvel event that didn't have to do with a freaking symbiote. And I'm happy for this. And I hope they continue this momentum. Because I'm looking forward to uh, Judgment Issue 2. Because honestly to see what the Avengers react to... Because you know Tony Stark probably has a satellite near there recording the entire event and his face. And everyone else's face is going to be amazing. Anyway, that's it for the world of Marvel since that's probably the only comic I looked forward to in Marvel's repertoire. Anyway, in the world of DC, we're going back to their own event, Dark Crisis. Now, Dark Crisis 3 was actually pretty good and it begins right after issue 2 with Beast Boy in the hospital after being shot in the head by Slade. Nightwing has not left his side and the other heroes are worried because Slade's army is hunting other heroes, causing some of them to either run and hide or even call in quits. Black Adam is talking about killing the villains in Slade's army to put a stop to everything but John Kent is not wanting to do it. Damien, John, and Wonder Woman Yara agree to this, leaving Black Adam mad. And so does the rest of the team end up leaving. As they're outside, uh, the Justice Society of America arrives saying that they should have come to them first. And the art of the GSA showing up is amazing and it makes sense. Why start your own team and not go ahead and talk to the team beforehand? the team that was before the Justice League. And honestly, one thing I have to do is I got to agree with Black Adam here. You have an army hunting down the heroes. You just take some of them out. I mean, dang, you guys can do it. It won't take long. But anyway, uh, Black Adam leaves and he goes somewhere else. And the comic cuts to uh, Hal Jordan and some of the other Lanterns going to fight Pariah, the person who supposedly killed the Justice League. Hal Kyle and another lantern go ahead to scout, so once they they run into pariah and go on the offensive, they basically go through this dark muck that shows them like their evil side or like a dark side to them. Once they fight pariah, though they see an orb containing the symbols of the heroes when Hal touches them. He gets sucked into a world that is not his own. He doesn't have his ring and three beings show up and attack him saying that he is not welcome. And they say he is trespassing on Sector John Stewart. While this is happening, Slade is looking at some monitors when some of his lackeys bring in Ravenger, who berates her dad about everything that's going on. Now she is uh, his daughter and is able to somewhat see the future. Again, not too well because she really doesn't see what happens next. So after she berates him, he calls for his lackeys who come in and he sprays black ooze on him that comes from his mouth to the heart of his daughter. And this is kind of interesting because this shows that Slade is being controlled by another being. Who that is, we don't know. One other thing is the fact that Slade didn't look like he was being possessed, so whatever this is may be new or maybe something that's always been there. Now, anyway, after this whole situation, Black Adam is now in a swamp. And he goes and states that he tried to show the kids that they need to be bigger and that they don't understand, and he needs the group's help. And the group turns out to be the Doom Society with Lex as their leader. The comic ends with stating that the next issue will be the Doom Society versus Deathstroke Inc. Which means now that it's going to be an interesting comic issue next. Issue with Doom Society and Deathstroke Army fighting each other. Villains versus Villains, but with the Doom Society, you got a lot heavy hitters. Including Sinestro, Hell Lex, and some of the other more well-known villains. One thing I want to say about this issue is how fantastic it is. And it shows the negative effects that Slade is causing on the mental level with the heroes now on the run. I mean, before, you're like, oh, they're heroes, they're never going to run. But now that you're seeing the effects of what Slade is wanting to do, you're kind of like, wow, this is working on another level. One thing I did like is how they shifted perspectives and kind of gave everyone some breathing room. I am excited to see how the Justice Society will affect this event and what has infected Slade because like I said Slade is not one easily infected so seeing him like this is going to be interesting one thing I also want to say is how strange it is that how Jordan is being transported to another world and it's kind of cool because he says this isn't another world it's something else before being sucked in so to see what is going to happen next who these people are and if this is going to include the multiverse again it's definitely going to be interesting considering that they just did a whole entire multiverse adventure. So it's kind of like we're evened out with that. But anyway, having the Doom Society fight Slade's army is definitely going to be interesting in itself. Especially since we've seen his army is now basically infected with whatever it has infected Slade. So seeing how their powers may change or if they have a hive mind will be another level entirely. And it's going to be funny to see the JSA cleaning up the mess uh, these new heroes have made, basically trying to pick up the pieces of the Justice League. So hopefully they're able to keep up the momentum and we get to see what happens next. Now, next on DC's comic to watch out for, it is Deceased Book of War. Wait, no. (laughs) Okay, I actually messed up on that one. It's Deceased War of the Undead Gods. And it's apparently going to be releasing this month. And I'm excited for this because this is the series I live for. And it's been fantastic through and through. Through the Unkillables, Dead Planet, and even the first one. One thing I'll say about this also is the fact that this is going to be showing what the heck happened to Darkseid. What's going to go on with Superman, the original Superman, with the cure now available. And what's going to happen with everything else that's going on. And I can't wait to see how this entire comic book series ends. Because like I said it's one of my favorites. So but I will say this. I am not going to review this book until all of the issues have been released. Because honestly I want to read it with no buffers. But I may get lazy and just read it anyway. So again if you see me reviewing the issues... It's because I'm reading them and I couldn't wait until, like, next year. But anyway, it's a great series. If you're looking for a great comic book series and you don't want to read thousands upon thousands of issues, this is really great. It doesn't really nerf a lot of the heroes, but puts them in a situation that makes sense for why some of them died and why some of them lived. Anyway, uh, one thing about Deceased that I really loved is the fact that it gives other characters time to shine that aren't really getting that much, I don't want to say flow, but attention in the main DC, like Green Arrow and Black Canary. They're not really getting that much attention in the main comic book series, but when it comes to these books, they're getting a whole bunch of attention, which doesn't make any sense because everyone loves them, and yet they're not getting, like, the spotlight. I don't know. It's DC comics. We'll see what happens. I mean, they have, like, what? four or five freaking batman series simultaneously going on right now i don't know anymore anyway we're going to go ahead and move on from comic books to tv shows now one thing that's been going around and i'm going to go into more detail with this in the movie section but warner brothers has been canceling a lot of stuff if you've been living under a rock you have maybe not heard about this but warner brothers is making the slate clean with a lot of their shows and movies. As of right now, The Flash Season 9 will be their last. And this is kind of weird because this show is basically the last show in the Arrowverse. They're abandoning it completely, probably leaving it to its own devices with Season 9. And maybe we'll see what happened to the Legends after their their final season ended while they still had more stories to tell and wanted one more season to finish everything off, which they never did. Now, it's kind of going to be weird to have a show without the Arrowverse or CW because this thing has been going on for more than 10 years. They've been able to do a lot more events, a lot more stuff than their movie counterparts, which is kind of sad. Because you're like, why are they taking their time to build this up just to take it away? I mean, honestly, I do love The Flash. They did have their highs, their lows. They did have a lot of stuff. Season 8 has been the best season they've had for a long time. And I'm really looking forward to see what the hell they're doing for Season 9. But with other shows basically moving away from the Airverse, like the new Superman show, it takes place in a different universe, which is weird. Because you figure with Diggle being there, you're like, oh, yeah, this takes place in the Arrowverse, but it's revealed it doesn't. But who knows? Honestly, I'll see where it happens, but it is going to be very weird to have the Arrowverse no more, especially with all that work and creativity basically going to waste. I mean, I guess maybe not going to waste, but still, it's just weird, and I kind of feel bad for the showrunners and everyone who's tried to build up this universe. what it is because i mean even though with the highs and lows between arrow batwoman uh black lightning supergirl legends of tomorrow the flash you just had so much love so much okay maybe not for batwoman but so much love and attention put into these shows to try to build something to build more I don't know maybe it's just me just talking and talking about it but it's it is going to be weird and I cannot wait to see how the flash ends it all hopefully they bring back Cisco hopefully they bring up back some of the OG characters to finally give it that last goodbye because when the last episode airs and the last thing you said you hear is my name is Barry Allen and I'm the fastest man alive knowing that there's not going to be anything more it's going to be weird an end of an era. God, I'm old. <laughs> oh, God. So this is what feeling old feels like. Anyway, we're going to go ahead and talk about another thing with Warner Brothers. It's the fact that a lot of rumors is going around. Basically saying that HBO Max is going to be script, uh, scrapping scripted shows. Which would be a terrible idea because HBO's, HBO scripted shows have potential to be amazing. So this would include the new Game of Thrones prequel, the other prequels they have, Peacemaker Season 2, Westworld, and many more. And to basically have them scrapped for whatever the hell Discovery wants to do, I think that's a bad idea. I honestly think that is a terrible idea and it's going to wreck them. I'll say this though, uh, one thing I want to say is that Discovery is making some pretty good moves in the movie aspects, but just scrapping these scripted shows is not a great thing. And I understand that Discovery does want to do an overhaul, but this may not be the best move, especially since Discovery in itself doesn't really have anything to offer when it comes to their types of shows. I mean, sure, you'll get like, I don't know, HGTV shows, but still, it, it I don't see the worth of those types of reality shows at all but who knows one thing I'll be excited for is to get the Food Network I do love me some Food Network is that Discovery I think that's Discovery anyway another thing that is getting canned which I'm excited about is basically the Gotham Knights TV show now as you heard my review of the trailer it is and always will be a horrible horrible trailer and the show looked outrageously bad really bad and I'm actually glad that this won't see the light of day that it has got scrapped it's goodbye I mean the shows premise Batman having a son who didn't know he was Batman Batman adopts orphans to turn them into Robins this is the ongoing joke that's been going on for years and basically having the children of the villains oh god that was horrible i mean why make a new character you have so many of batman's characters heck tim drake jason ta i mean oh my god there's so many characters it always makes me mad when i think about the show so i don't know we're just gonna move on honestly we are just gonna move on anyway uh talking on a positive note disney and pixar are bringing back cars Something I did not think I would be able to say because you thought that the third one ended things on a high note. But anyway, one of the biggest things in this is that Owen Wilson and Larry the Cable Guy are coming back to play their respective roles. Which is actually kind of cool because you usually don't get the movie voice actors to come back to play their counterparts in a TV show. Now, the premise of this movie is basically that Lightning tags along with Mater to see his sister on a road trip where, of course, they'll get into trouble. Now, I gotta say, this doesn't seem too bad, and for the animation, it looks very great. I don't know, it looks like it's gonna be a fun ride, the series works well because it could be funny, it could explore other aspects of the Cars world that you couldn't really do in the movies... And basically take your time in doing so. Now, have I always been a big fan of Cars? Not really. It's been one of those Pixar franchises where I was like surprised that it would. It was like one of the first ones to even get a sequel. And then it had a third film. It was one of those weird ones. Honestly, I would have preferred a sequel to Monsters, Inc. That's just me. But I'm actually excited to see Cars coming back. Something from uh, back in 05. I always wanted them to explore a lot more stuff. A little less than what they did with Cars 2, but a lot more what they did with Cars 3. Anyway, I'm excited to see it, and I'm actually glad that the OG actors are coming back. Because it's never really a bad thing, and it's kind of rare too. But anyway, uh, that's it for my opinion on Cars. We're going to be going to Cyberpunk. Yes, yes, Cyberpunk has getting an anime. Couldn't believe it until I saw the trailer, and it looks crazy and all over the place. Which isn't a bad thing, because that's kind of what the game was. Story-wise and (laughs) graphic-wise. God, especially those bugs. Everywhere and everything. Well, at least that has somewhat got better. I'm going to be honest with you, I haven't played the game in a long time. I'm actually afraid to. But honestly, it was one of the bigger disappointments of... uh, When did that come out? 2020? Yeah, I think it came out 2020. Or it could be 2021. Honestly, I forgot. And it's weird because this was the game that was supposed to revolutionize everything. Revolutionize the world in gaming. Anyway, uh, this show will follow a new crew that tries to survive the city and make some money. Now, the animation looks fantastic. And this is definitely not going to be for kids. So, no kids watching this. At all. That's the one thing I hate about anime. People will start allowing their kids to watch it and then complain about it without reviewing it. Or one time this one person was telling me, oh yeah, I let my son watch Overlord. And they're like, how old is your son? Seven. I'm like, you're letting him watch Overlord. Like, that's not going to be nightmare fuel. Yeech! I swear. Some parents really need to take a responsibility and then stop blaming... Like the animations or the shows. And then getting them cancelled. Because that's the last thing we need. Anyway that's it for my TV shows. We're going to move on to movies. Now Warner Brothers has made the craziest move. I think. Ever. And has scrapped Batgirl. In it's entirety. Even though it was finished. The movie was finished. Needed some edits. But they were all done. And they decided to shelf the movie and take the ninety million dollar loss as a tax write off. It's brilliant. If you think about it, I don't know how much Warner Brothers has lost, but if ninety million dollars will wipe the slate clean, good for them. Now, I think the reasoning behind it is kind of crazy, but from my understanding is that the movie in itself was irredeemable. Which I mean makes sense, it's Warner Brothers. But they're deciding to scrap everything for a 10-year plan, like I said. Which is something that I think should happen. Even though it would be nice to see Brandon Fraser as Firefly. Who knows, maybe a leaker will praise us and leak the film so we can see just how bad this movie is. Can it be worse than Morbius? Who knows. I don't know, honestly, with Warner Brothers, with Discovery, it's one of those things where I'm kind of worried. I am actually was excited to see the Blue Beetle movie with all the pictures that were shown, but I, I don't trust that it'll come out. But with Discovery basically deciding to do things differently, this may be what Warner Brothers needs for the universe. Because let's be honest here, let's really be honest, the Zack Snyder movies sucked. Yes, I said it, I know some of you love them, but they sucked. They really, really sucked. You know why? Because they didn't make any sense. Especially with what they tried to do with Batman vs. Superman. I mean, come on, cramming everything in there, making Doomsday, Doomsday, a clone or a combination of human and Kryptonian, my god, that just, uh. And I mean I get it it's Zack Snyder but still a lot of these stories were horribly written I mean Man of Steel was okay I know some people are like it's the worst Superman film ever I mean none of you have seen Superman 4 so I mean I really doubt that that can meet up to that but I mean it was okay for a movie did it have it's problems yes did it have it's shortcomings yeah but I mean for a Superman film it wasn't that bad I didn't think it was that bad if you're going to compare it to the original ones then yeah doesn't really live up but compared to BVS I mean god that was bad and I I get it Zack Snyder wanted to do his own things and he does make movies that are great but DC wasn't one of them it honestly wasn't and it really tried to catch up with the MCU now whether this was Zack Snyder's plan or Warner Brothers plan I really don't know And one thing I want to talk about is the Justice League. His Justice League was probably the only good film in his entire series ever. Like, really, really good. Like, I was in awe. Like I said before, I didn't mind Superman, but Justice League was on another level. But the problem with Justice League, it it took four hours. Four freaking hours to tell a good story. And it took too much time. I mean, trying to fit all that character growth. That should have happened in their own individual movies. Aquaman, The Flash, we got Wonder Woman. But Cyborg and other stuff. I mean, hell, if you wanted to leave Cyborg's origin story and stuff for the movie, that's fine, but don't do that for every freaking character. Not only does that cause problems, but we don't connect with them at all. The only reason we connected with them at all is because It came out after Aquaman came out. It came out after everything else came out. So we kind of got used to these characters. But that shouldn't be the case. We shouldn't be begging for the four-hour cut. That shouldn't happen. We should have already gotten movies to establish these characters in the first place. But we didn't. We just got a rushed product... Which now, Warner Brothers has no idea what they're wanting to do. Black Adam takes place in an entirely new universe. Shazam is in an entirely new universe. Aquaman 2 is having Ben Affleck back. Why is Ben Affleck back? I don't know. It seems like they don't have a plan. And what Discovery is doing may be harsh, but it's a good start. Honestly, it is a really good start. And as long as Zack Snyder keeps out of their way, it may be good. Because it just... Oh, my God. I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for my opinions on that, but who knows? Maybe they'll do something similar to what Zack Snyder had envisioned, but in a more timed, kept fashion where we have a bunch of movies. Because they said it themselves. They're working on a 10-year plan, which is great because that's what they need. Because if they can't build something worthy... Just like their animated counterparts, that's kind of sad because their animated counterparts, through their shows, through their movies, are so much better than what they're putting out in live action. And that's just sad. Anyway, that's my whole entire rant or spiel about that. Next, I want to talk about Prey. Now, this is going to be a non-spoiler review just because it just came out. But, by God, was this movie impressive! (laughs) Impressive! I can't tell you the last time I was excited to watch a Predator film and this was it. The ca- I'm just going to begin with the camera work. The environmental shots were amazing. And to show how vast and green the United States was back then was magnificent. I thought I was looking at Europe with all the mountains with the vast land of green. And it was great. Uh, the film did an excellent job showing the hardship of the Native Americans for that time. And one thing I loved is the film did not waste any time to introduce the Predator. Oh, he's there, he's hunting stuff, since it's his first time on Earth, he hasn't interacted with humans, so he's hunting, and it's great. And one thing I loved is the film didn't take unnecessary drama. That was great. Sure, you had some drama, but it made sense. It wasn't unnecessary. And that's what the other uh, Predator film, the last one, was riddled with. Like, why do we have this? Why do we have this? And one thing I loved is it didn't have so many locations. Like, yeah, it took place in different parts, but they were within the same area, not going from here all the way to here. And it basically went back to basics like the first Predator film. Hell, like the second Predator film too, because it all took place within the city, which made sense. Anyway, again, I loved it, and I loved how the Basically, the time period and the environment helped with the atmosphere of the film. One thing I also want to praise is is the design for the Predator was amazing. I mean, heck, the mask, the bone-like mask was really cool. And the weapons he used were old school. They were very different but recognizable to see what they would have evolved to. As these were early models, and especially with the armor... Not be able to cover as much as the armor from the first Predator film did basically shows you how much they involved, especially with their skills. One thing I want to say is that the thing that scared me, it really scared me because as soon as this, my favorite scene hit, you're like, oh, God. Was something about facing the Predator in this time period. Because remember, there's no shotguns. There's no machine guns, no grenades, no miniguns. Nothing that someone like me, who has no proficiency in an axe, no proficiency in a bow and arrow, could easily do to defend myself. Because one of my favorite uh, scenes in this film was basically a bunch of people shooting muskets at the Predator. And then... And then... Taking time to reload it, putting the powder in, taking that stick, putting it into the gun, cleaning it out to get ready for another shot. And the predator is just staring at them for a quick second, wondering what the heck they're doing. And seeing that made me laugh. But I'm there like thinking to my, oh my God, that would be scary as hell. Because you're like, you're realizing that the technology for them, for someone to face the predator, you have to be skilled in so many other things. And it's just crazy. The odds were definitely not good. And just seeing all these things fail to even hurt it. Oh, one of my favorite uh, parts of the film was when there was this scene where the predator walks slowly towards a dude who has a pistol. And he's basically like, shoot me. And he does. And the bullet just ricochets off his mask and hits him. Oh, that was really cool. That was actually really cool. And one thing I did love is how the uh, Native Americans knew where the Predator was, knew exactly where he was somewhat because they were trained to hunt their hunters in itself. And the action scenes were really great. They were excellent because you couldn't not, you really couldn't not do hand to hand combat against the Predator. Sure, you could do some distance, but you didn't have any weapons that would help you in that at all. And one thing I do want to talk about is the end credit per se. It wasn't really like a scene that we're used to, but at the end of the movie, it really connected to the second Predator film. And I'm not going to say how until the spoiler review, but if you watch the end of the second Predator movie with what that elder Predator handed to Danny Glover's character, you'll be like, oh my God. And I'll say this, if you're looking for that end credit scene, it's the entire scene where the entire movie is depicted through the arts. Wait until the end because you get, and this is not a spoiler warning per se because it's shown anyway, how their clan was basically wiped out. And it's really like, wow. I'm going to go ahead and give this film a 9 out of 10 for being an amazing film. Has to be the best Predator movie since the original. And also, if you kind of felt distracted with the film going back from uh, Comanche to English, and you found that kind of distracting, they actually have a Comanche dub, which is actually pretty great and will fully immerse you into the world because you're basically reading the dub. And it's like, okay, so this is what the language. Another thing I did love about the film is the fact that uh, at one point, you had another uh, other human characters speaking another language, but because the Native Americans didn't know what the language w- or what they were saying, neither did the audience, which I actually thought was incredibly smart. Of course, used to, we're used to films basically having that dub and showing us exactly what they're saying, especially if they're speaking another language. And this one, we're as clueless as the other, as the characters in itself. And I thought that was great. Anyway, uh, that's about it for my non-spoiler review of Prey. Fantastic film. Definitely would I recommend In other news, uh, Lady Gaga is officially now a part of Joker 2. And excuse me if I'm mispronouncing this. follet a -a I swear I'm probably hearing all the French who watched this episode curse me out for not pronouncing this properly. Anyway, this film is going to take place entirely in Arkham Asylum and will be a musical. Which is kind of cool. Now, I get people are confused. They're like, why is this a musical? This doesn't make any sense. The first one was a musical, but if you think about it, if you really think about it, I argue that it makes total sense because the Joker in itself is unpredictable and his madness is deep. And with this following his descent into further madness, going deeper, we're going to be seeing his viewpoint as we did before. And it's going to be a lot more twisted, especially with Harley involved. So having something like unexpected as the sequel being a musical, I'm here for it. Hopefully they do something like they have original songs or they'll use other songs that were already popular. Who knows? Either way, I'm for it. Anyway, that's it for my video game section. We're moving. Oh my God, I messed up already. (laughs) That's it for my movie section. We're going into video games now. Now, multiverse. Great game. But I'm excited for the character nerfs that are happening soon because a lot of the characters are overpowered compared to some of the other ones, especially for their combos. Now, some of them happen to be Finn. Finn and Superman are one of the most overpowered characters in the game and somewhat shaggy is too. Now, Superman is continuously able to hit even in the air and juggle characters. And it's kind of not fair. I'm facing Superman and he's able to keep on punching, 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 punching. And I'm not able to get out of it. I'm not able to break free, which is kind of frustrating. And Finn is strong and fast. His attacks happen so quickly. And he's able to combo so smoothly. Whenever you're fighting against 2v2 and you see him on the team, it's crazy. And some support characters are very overpowered. When you put Velma and Aria together, they're just a menace, and you gotta be kept on your toes. Now, they do need to buff some characters, and maybe change their fighting style, like Iron Giant. Because Iron Giant is way too slow, and his attacks suck to be anything effective. And his combat should be a lot smoother, and be able to combo much easier. Because I'm there like, why is he eating a car And like for a basic attack? He should be swinging his arms. He should be maybe somewhat copying Superman but doing something different since it, like the Iron Giant is wanting to be Superman. Which was a great uh, section of his film. And I love that his costume has the S on it. That was actually pretty cool. Anyway, uh, that's it for multiverses. I do hope that these nerfs and buffs happen and they do something better with iron giant because it's the iron giant man he definitely deserves more anyway moving on from multiverses we're gonna be talking about assassin's creed valhalla now it's getting a new dlc where you get to play as odin and he is an assassin yay anyway he'll be invading niflheim which is basically hell in norse mythology to face off against hell He'll be attacking dragons, demons, and my god, what has happened to Assassin's Creed? Really? What has happened to it? What happened to the historical accuracy? I mean, seriously, I used to love playing Black Flag. Playing Assassin's Creed 2, 3 for their use of historical accuracies and sights. But now, we're basically getting Dark Souls. I mean, sure, they did take some liberties with some of the events and reasoning surrounding them. But it didn't go all all the way to be basically, oh, you're facing uh Anubis. Why are we facing Anubis? Literally, why? It's an Assassin's Creed game. Give me people to kill. And the one thing I did I, I hate about these new games is the fact that it's an RPG system, which you have to grind to be able to kill most of the higher ranked people. And I'm there like, why? I mean, sure, in the old Assassin's Creed game, you had to train to be able to do stuff, but that was for combos. Maybe get better uh, sword to be able to do more damage. But still, now you have to grind for countless hours to kill somebody who's not even wearing that much armor, but is a higher level. And honestly, I really hope that they make the new Assassin's Creed game like the old ones and they go back to basics at this point, it's just Dark Souls with Assassin's Creed taped over it. And I absolutely hate it. Apparently, the next one is supposed to take place in Japan. So, who knows? Hopefully, we get something good. Anyway, that's it for video games. We're going to move on to movie theories. The newest section of Fwent Chat with Johnny Fwent. Anyway, uh, one of my movie theories is about the DC movie universe. The main DC movie universe. And my theory is for when they're going to start this is most likely going to start off with Batman or Superman to begin this new universe since they're the most recognizable IP. But honestly, it would probably be smart to begin with another hero from another perspective. Maybe a hero from the future that helps us realize the world we're in. Maybe someone like Booster Gold or even Rift Hunter to show us the time period. To be like, oh, he is stuck there now because he was trying to face off against a time-traveling villain and now he's trapped in our world and the world already has the heroes established. Which would be great because we really don't need another origin story for Batman or Superman. They could easily do do what the Batman did and basically have them established and we have a movie with these guys. And it would be something different because honestly, we've already had uh, so many Batman movies, Superman movies, and it'd be great to have someone new. One thing I also want to talk about is the fact that we definitely need to have other heroes come in as well, like Green Arrow, Black Canary, and everything else. You know be kind of cool? If we don't do the whole Booster Gold or Rift Hunter thing, one thing I do want to do is kind of uh, have Martian Manhunter be the first movie to show exactly what he thinks of the new world or have him have an origin story Because he's one of the few that we don't know about and have his origin story lead up to maybe something happening or is going to happen on Earth. Maybe with the White Martians like the animated show did. And it's kind of weird because you have all these animated shows, especially like Justice League, do something like bring these heroes together because they're already introduced and have something great. Which is something that Discovery and Warner Brothers have to do to begin an awesome universe. Anyway, that is my theory and my two cents on this. Like I said, Booster Gold, Rift Hunter, or Martian Manhunter. Heck, it doesn't even have to be them. Have somebody else have an origin story that we haven't seen before. Maybe a hero they haven't done. I mean, they have plenty. Heck, I wouldn't mind a Static Shock movie with him like explaining who these heroes are. Or even, um, what's another hero? Mr. Terrific... Blue Beetle, Or even a Green Lantern movie with Jon Stewart. That would actually be pretty cool. Anyway, that's my two cents. And we're now going to move on to my second movie theory, which is in the MCU. And how Marvel is most likely going to reboot, or in my rep- in opinion, reboot the MCU. Now, I see that a lot of articles have been coming out with multiple actors uh, basically meeting with Marvel to play unannounced roles, and my opinion, and what I think is going to happen, is after Secret Wars, once this whole multiverse mess gets underway, we're going to have a reboot, where a lot of the heroes that are dead currently, are back alive, with their memories been having changed, which would make a lot of the most sense, because adding uh, the X-Men and Inhumans, but not having Iron Man and Captain America doesn't because if you're going to reboot it or have now a new world where all these people take place, it makes sense to have these guys back alive. And most of the ones who had older actors have new actors playing them. And yes, that will be weird because you're going to be used to seeing uh, uh, Robert Dowie Jr., Chris Evans playing these roles and it's definitely going to be weird to see someone else take the mantle but I mean it's Disney and it's Marvel they're going to want to make the most of these characters and their designs with money so that's probably most likely what's going to happen my guess is maybe some of the heroes will have some of their old memories which be kind of cool but honestly I'm excited to see what they do with this because MCU Given what some of their newer movies has been, eh? With Phase 5, it seems like they do have a game plan, which is more than I can say for the DCU. Well, we'll see what happens, and hopefully it's great. I mean, heck, they can introduce big baddies, like Galactus. They can have, uh, who else? Who else is a big bad? Thanos back, they can have Uranus, they can do whatever the storyline is now. Or, they can do something with uh, the symbiotes. There's a lot of events that happen with the Symbiotes, War of the Realms with Thor and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff they can do, and I can't wait for it. And I can't wait for an established world with everything they have back. Especially now since Daredevil is going to be appearing in multiple shows. And they're already saying that him and Spider-Man are going to lead the Street Heroes. Oh, excited for it. And, and rumor has it that Punisher is going to show up sooner than we expect. Especially with a new Punisher going to be coming out and be announced at D23. So, we'll see what happens. Hopefully, it's great. And we'll see what happens after Secret Wars. Anyway, that's it for our movie theories. We're going to be moving on to current events. Yay! Now, thankfully, thankfully, gas prices have been going down. Which is fantastic news, because it'd be nice for $20 to actually make a dent. Seriously, I remember, what, two years ago? Give a 20, half your tank, maybe uh, more than 75%. Now it uh, does a little dent. God, I missed it two years ago. Well, more for the gas prices, not for the COVID. Anyway, gas prices, like I said, are going down. Hopefully they continue to go down, because if it goes back up, my wallet is really going to hurt. And hopefully we also see some improvements with the economy and everything else, because with inflation now, it's just bad, really bad. I mean, hell, technically we're in a recession, but we're not going to feel that for six months. So, yay, positivity, always here for you. (laughs) Anyway, uh, moving on, uh, going around in my uh, section of the world and probably other sections is local elections. Local elections are happening in communities now, and I am always for the belief to go out and vote. It is always important to vote, especially for your local officials. I mean, yes, it's important to vote for your state and your uh, national elections, but a lot of times people underestimate what a local officials can do, which is kind of bad. So go out, learn about who's running in your local elections, why they're running, what their uh, stance is, so you can make a difference at home. Like I said, go out, vote, and it doesn't matter if it's on a federal level, state level, or even a small city level. It's always impactful, and it's always good to see more people voting because you get to express your voice. Anyway, that's it for today's episode. Thank you guys for listening as always. Please tell your friends to like and subscribe to this show. Please leave reviews. This will help uh, the show get more attention. And besides that, that's it. Stay safe. Have a blessed day. See you later. Sayonara. See you guys next week.